0: Uh, let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll dive into today's message. God, we, we are so grateful that you brought us to this place today. I know it's not an accident, uh, including and starting with me. You have something that you want to say to us, and Lord, I don't want to get in the way of that. Nobody needs to hear what I have to say. I just want to pass on what, what you said to me. So God, would you speak to our hearts and change us from the inside out this morning In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or whatever, we're going to eventually get to Galatians chapter 6 today. That'll be our main text, and so uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's going to take me a while to get there, but we'll get there. Uh, So um, a few weeks ago, before the little snow day, we kicked off this new series called Changed. And we say this a lot around here, but I want to reiterate it. I mentioned it the first week, I think that was January 14th, but... When I teach, especially when I teach, but when Brandon teaches or any of our other guys or or ladies that are in front of a group teaching, one of the things that's important to us is we don't want you to think we have all the answers. My goal when I stand up here on Sundays is to share with you what God's teaching me. And that comes from a lot of different places. And we shared on January 14th this series. This series, this teaching series called Changed came from a church in Denver that we're really fond of and look up to a lot called Flatirons. And they did a series a while back called Can People Really Change? And, uh, and I want to encourage you to go watch it. Um, they're probably much better communicators than I am. Uh, but what, what happens in my heart is God, I, I'll watch something, read something, hear something, Uh, and God will impress it on my heart, and and just the way I do is I need to share that with our people, and and I hope that's okay with you. Uh, It's just the most transparent that I can be about what we're teaching. I don't have a special connection to God that you don't have. I'm a fellow struggler. I would never pretend that I'm up here and everybody else is down here I just want to share with you some things that God's doing in my life. And so what struck a chord with me uh, when I was listening to this series at Flatirons was uh, this idea of can we really change? And and the thought there is, you know, if you're going to choose Jesus, if you're going to do the whole God thing, it should probably change you or you're wasting your time. Doesn't that make sense? Like, why would you bother following a God that doesn't make a difference in your life. It seems uh, logical that if this supernatural, holy creator of the universe uh, is who he says he is, then it ought to make a difference in your life. It ought to change you. And, and yet, and, and I fully believe that a thousand percent, yet one of the struggles that all of us have is we have areas of our lives where we get stuck and we feel like I can't get past this. I can't change. I'm stuck. I'm I'm in this cycle and I just can't get out of it. And and so what we want to do in this series is uh, take a few weeks and examine some areas of our lives and ask that question, can I really change in this area? And and the answer is yes. And and the answer is not uh, because you go to a, a Tony Robbins conference or something like that. It, the, the difference can only come from Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I want to just review some things that we talked about, starting with this list that I shared uh, on January 14th when we kicked this series off. I, I, just, I just listed a bunch of stuff that might keep us stuck. And, and most of them are one word, but some of them are little phrases or whatever. But I want to read this list again and just allow it to, to sink in and just ask yourself... Do any of these things resonate in my life? Are there any of these? Or maybe it triggers something else in my life, an area of my life where I am stuck, I'm trapped, and I can't seem to get past it. And so here's the list that we share. I want to read it to you again. So think, do any of these describe a cycle that you might get stuck in? Bitter. Angry. Selfish. Fearful overcompetitive, rude or harsh, lazy, dishonest, jealous, greedy, judgmental, sad, frustrated, searching, confused, beaten down, victimized, not good enough, will never measure up. And, and the reason I want to read that again is not, not to depress you, but, but to share with you like some of those strike a chord in my life, where I, I get up in the mornings and I spend time with God, I, I pastor a church for heaven's sakes, but there are times in my life when I look at some of these words or think about areas of my life and I shake my head and go, I can't break this can't get past this am i ever going to change can i really change and and that's that's what this series is all about now here's the good news that that's a heavy list to read but here's the good news that we're trying to get across during this series look this on the screen the good news is you don't have to stay stuck you you don't have to stay there it really is possible to make radical changes in your life. In fact, here's something to keep in mind as we work our way through the next few weeks. Look at this. Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead for you to stay stuck. That was never a part of the plan. He came to give you a rich and satisfying life regardless of your circumstances. So let me call time out and I want to read a passage that that backs this up. Um, A lot of us, me included, we fall into the trap of measuring the richness and the satisfaction of our lives based on the circumstances surrounding us at that given moment. And if our circumstances are good, we equate that with life is good. But when circumstances go south, if we're not careful, we'll go, well, then life's not good because circumstances are not good. And that's not what Jesus climbed up on a cross and gave himself for he gave himself so that in the midst of any kind of circumstances, you and I can have hope that God is good and life is good because he loves us and has a plan for us no matter what's going on in our lives right this moment. Does that make sense? That, that is why he came. And, and in John ten ten, 10, he, he says it himself. These are Jesus' words, and, and he says, The thief, the enemy, the devil, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them and them as you and me a rich and satisfying life. The, the original translations are from a Greek word that means abundant or more than you could ever imagine. And I'm not, I'm not playing dumb here this morning. I know that there are people that probably walked in this place today and life is heavy and circumstances are not good In fact, they're scary, they're uncertain, they're frustrating, they're hard. My job this morning is to point you toward the hope in the midst of all those circumstances. And and that's what we want to do. And so, uh, you know, as we kick this thing off, one of the things that we asked, one of the things that we kind of nailed down that first week is, okay, if I believe that Jesus came to give me, not just other people, but me, a rich satisfying, full, abundant life. If that's true, if I really believe that, then the next question is, how do I get there? Because in my life, it seems like many times I take three steps forward, two steps back, or sometimes two steps forward, three steps back, and I'm losing ground. Like, so how do I get there? How do I have that life? And, and so uh, the first week, we we kind of uh, uh, kind of went deep on some basic principles that we need to remember i just want to run through them real quick they'll be on the screen here uh and i'll fly through them then we'll get on to today's area but i want to make sure we remember these following things number one is this true life change doesn't come from willpower or self-help books it only comes through a personal relationship with jesus christ and all i can tell you listen i can't walk jesus up here today with skin on i can't i can't Uh, have scientific formulas that prove to you that Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for all I can do is speak to you today as a satisfied customer as someone who was searching for a big part of my life and and angry and lonely and empty and and I found the answer I tried a lot of things and have since tried other things that I think will fill the void in my life but the answer is Jesus he is what we're looking for Look at this next one, before we can change how we act, in other words, before we can change the outward behavior, we have to change our hearts, that's where it starts, right? If you want to change your outward behavior, start on the inside, that's another way of saying it, and and then finally, this one is really big, long-term change won't happen in your life unless you start to do some things differently. It's the old saying, if you want different results, do different stuff. If you want your life to change, change what you're doing. And, and, and it's a fine line there because, yes, our hearts need to change before our outward behavior changes, but our hearts can't change until we change some of our habits. And I'll just give an example. Maybe there's somebody in here today who's going, okay, so Jesus is the answer. Great. How, where do I even start with that? Like, how do I even talk to him? What, what does that look like? And, and one of the things we say around here all the time is chair time. Find a chair somewhere in your house, a quiet place where you can get alone and just sit down, read his word. Don't get, and and I'm not trying to be anti-King James Version, if you can understand King James Version, if you speak in that language, great, get a King James Version, but get a Bible that you can understand, that makes sense to you, and just read. In fact, you could start reading in Galatians as we're going through this series and just read about what the Apostle Paul was saying to people about, hey you're free just like that song we just sang you're a child of God and you're free you don't you don't have to settle anymore you don't have to stay stuck in hopelessness and and bitterness and all these other things that we listed you've been set free so you can start by doing that and then just talk to God and and listen it's not a contest it's not, God doesn't have a clicker up in heaven where he's going, oh, today Steve did good, but man, he missed two days in a row. And so he's kind of dropping in the rankings. God doesn't have rankings. God has a holy supernatural love for you that humans can't fully understand. And he just wants to spend time with you. He wants you to know him because he knows the more you know him, the more you'll trust him. He knows that. And all he wants to do is invite us into a relationship with him. So just talk to him like you would your best friend. Somebody that you really trust. Just talk to him. So that brings us to this week. There, there are certain areas of our lives that we not only get stuck in those areas, but it's critical that we get those areas right because they go a long way Toward determining whether or not we're going to have the life God intended for us to have, right? And today we're going to answer this question: Can I change my relationships? Now, before you start, some of you that are here all the time, you're like, "Oh, here we go. He's going to talk about life groups again." And, and man, he pounds it into our head every week. And 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 I, I am going to talk about that. But this this uh, and there's a good reason for it, and I'll make my case in just a second but I don't want you to miss some other parts of our relationships because here's the truth, and everybody sitting in a chair today knows this. Every single one of us today has good relationships, healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, really bad ones that, that are tearing us down or maybe we're tearing someone else down. And all I want you to do today is kind of do an inventory of your relationships, starting with the people who matter to you most. If there's anything as a pastor that has been a challenge for the last 25 years as I've pastored churches and and done ministry as a vocation, is sometimes it's really easy to concentrate on loving those that are under my care as a spiritual leader and then if we're not careful, my family gets the leftovers. You see what I'm saying? And, and that goes for you too. Like, like, you guys have important jobs and you're busy. But if we don't start making sure our most important relationships are healthy, then all the other ones kind of feel like a waste of time. Because no, nobody's going to get to the end of their life on their deathbed and go, man, I wish I would have spent more time with the people at work right? No, Nobody's going to do that. You're going to be surrounded, hopefully, by those that love you most, and the thoughts, I know my dad did, because I got to be by his bedside when he passed away. You're going to think about the time that you wish you had with those that you love the most. And, and so as we talk through this today, especially on the front end, it's going to really sound life group heavy. And, and I'm not trying to make a joke about that because the reason we bang that drum all the time is because we believe it's life changing. We believe that locking arms and, and rubbing shoulders with other like-minded people who are struggling on the same journey with you is a difference-making commitment in your life, right? And so let me start with this statement that I think nobody in here will disagree with, and then we'll go on from here. In one way or another, the people we surround our lives with have a direct impact on our lives. They, they, it, it's just a fact, right? We, we, the people that are around us change us, they impact us, they influence us. In 2006, the Global Journal of Health Science completed a study, listen to this, of 4,877 people and determined that their peer groups have a distinct effect on the behavior of individuals. And some of the things they witnessed were people who surrounded themselves by people who made good decisions, their decisions improved. People who surrounded themselves with people who made poor decisions, even if originally they were making good decisions, their decisions started to decline, and they started making poor decisions. They, they examined some adolescents, some teenagers, and they said students who spent time with students who took their grades seriously, their grades went up. And, and students who spent time around students that didn't take their classes very seriously, their grades dipped. And it's, there's no Jesus in that. There's there's not any like Bible verse there. That's just human nature. The people you surround yourself with are going to make a difference in your life. They're going to impact you. There's no way around it. And so, you know what? We could say this. We could just launch on this point right here. A great way to change your life is to change the people you spend time with. Now, leave that up for a minute, Lindsay, but let, let me just say this, okay? Everybody look at me. This is not a message that's telling you you're too good for the people in your life. Go break up with them and never speak to them again, okay? That's not what this is about. Although, if you have relationships in your life that are holding you back and pushing you in a negative direction, action might be required. And, and I've done that, and I'll get, I'll get to that story in a minute, but my point is this. You might have to have some hard conversations, but the conversation should never include something like this. Well, I'm a Christian now, so you're out, buddy. You're like, like, you should never do that, okay? You should love them, but we talk about this all the time here at, at the bridge. Your inner circle is critical to who you want to become and and the hope and the peace and the joy in your life, you should guard that inner circle relentlessly. Like you should take it very serious about who you allow to to be a part of your life and and speak into your life. Now, let me say something else before we go on. I realize when, when we say a statement like that right there, a great way to change your life is to change the people you spend time with. Let's talk facts here. I realize you can't change your family, and for many of you in this room, you, you can't change the people that you work with. I guess you could quit your job, but I'm not certainly not suggesting that today. But hopefully what, we'll, what God will show us today is when you have those people in your life, how do you deal with it when when you're stuck with the people in your life? Because I had a great mom and a stepdad who loved me, but I had some incredible dysfunction in my life as I grew up, even into my adulthood. Heck, even into a year ago, I was dealing with incredible dysfunction in my family. And the option was never on the table to say, I disown you or you're dead to me. We have to learn can I change how I deal with that? Can, can I change how I respond to even negative people in my life? And, and there's an old saying, and, and I didn't write it, but I'm just telling you, it's true. It, it just makes sense. Life is too short to spend time with negative people, but sometimes you have to. So can I change the way I act toward those people? Can I change the way that I love them? And, and the answer is, is yes, yes based on your relationship with jesus christ now that sounds cheesy i know but here's my point if you're trying to love on difficult people in your life and you're not going to the source of love on a regular basis jesus and spending time with him and letting him fill up your bucket you're toast when you get around those negative people you will not respond appropriately i promise you won't and, and I know, I, listen, a, a lot of pastors in this world, and I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, I'm, I'm actually envious of them sometimes, a lot of pastors can fake it. Like, they'll act like they, they love you. When I'm not, and I don't fake it when I act like I love you, by the way, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, when I'm not spending time with Jesus like I should and filling my bucket up, I can't fake it, I'm just a jerk. I just don't do well. Nobody knows that more than my, my sweet wife who has way more crowns in heaven than any of you just because she stayed married to me for almost 27 years. I'm just telling you. you you're going to run into her in heaven and you're like, holy cow, look at that crown. Those crowns. And like 30 of them are going to say, Steve, Steve, put up with Steve, you know. And, and I believe this with all my heart. One of the reasons she deals with me so well and with such grace and poise and love is because daily I watch this woman do her chair time and she connects with God. She, she's connected to the source of love so it makes it easier for her to love even really difficult people. And so it sounds cheesy, love Jesus more and you'll love people more, but it's real. It really makes sense. So um here's another point that that, that we want to point out today if you want significant life change then you have to be intentional and careful about who you allow into your inner circle now let me say this um you may have really good friends that don't go to this church I, r- look back there on those that those two tables are sign-up sheets for life groups if you haven't had a chance to sign up it's not too late go by there today sign up there'll be a couple people there to ask answer questions for you whatever but here's what we're not saying and please don't mix my words or misunderstand what I'm trying to say we would never say that the only positive godly influences on your life can come from a life group that's crap that's not true but it's a way that you can surround yourself with people who genuinely care about you who who are walking the same struggle Our, our life group met for the first time this spring this past Wednesday night and it was so good to just go around the room and just check up on each other and and some of it was man this is really good in my life and some of it was this sucks and I'm struggling and that's the power of a life group and I'm not saying that you don't have those people outside of a life group but I will say this, if you don't, then what, what are you waiting for? Like, find these people that will help carry the load for you. The, the longer you carry the heavy load, the more it starts to suck the life out of you. And if you'll just trust enough and make yourself vulnerable enough to hand some of that junk off, your life gets better and so does theirs because it's reciprocal, right? You get to carry their stuff sometimes too. Uh, maybe a a better way of driving home this point is to ask a really uh, invasive question this morning. Look at this. Are the people you spend time with pushing you to be more like Jesus? Are are they making you more like Jesus? And and it's a fair question. And here's the deal. I I wouldn't go just out in the city and say this to just anybody, but you're here today, so I'm assuming there's some level of interest in Jesus Christ being the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm assuming that's a part of why you come and sit in here, and and if it is, if you declare that you want to look more like Jesus, that you trust him with your life, that you believe his plan for your life is good, and he has a purpose for you, then it makes sense to ask that question, doesn't it? Are the people you're spending time with pushing you that direction? and i'm not saying don't ever spend time with people that don't push you that push you toward jesus like you got to spend time with broken messy people that don't have anything to do with jesus cuz they're the fish that we're supposed to be fishing for they're the lost and hurting that jesus has said go and point them to me you got to do that but then you also need people in your life that fill you back up or that pick you up when you're down or that help you carry the heavy load we just all need those people and Here's what I believe this morning, and I'm going to try to prove it through a personal example, okay? I believe the people that you allow yourself to be influenced by, the people that you spend time with in your life, the people that you open yourself up to, they will determine the direction of your life. And I'm going to try and give you a good example here, okay? So let's start here. When I was in elementary school, uh, generally speaking... I was a really good kid, okay? Made straight A's, uh, never got in trouble. The, the only time I went to the principal's office uh, in elementary school was in the fifth grade when I threw the rock uh, at Angie Sherim and hit her in the head, and she had to go get stitches. And, and then I went, and, and I wasn't even trying to hit her. I was a good kid. I wasn't really trying to stone this little girl, I was just trying to scare her. Um, and, and I went to the principal. Other than that, I never got in trouble. I, I was really sick as a kid, and so I missed a lot of school. But I'm just telling you, I was a good kid. I was a boy, just just like any other boy would do during the summer. We would catch frogs and and tie bottle rockets to them and see if they would fly. And and I mean, I did all that normal stuff, but I was a really good kid, okay? We didn't go to church much. We did when I was a little bitty boy, but, but I was just a good kid. Now watch this. Where I grew up, elementary school ended after the sixth grade. And then seventh grade began what we call junior high. I know most of the places today, it's middle school. But when I, please don't miss this. It's going to sound juvenile, but it, it makes sense. Starting in the seventh grade and going into early high school, I changed all my friends. And I don't even know why. And one of the amazing things about Facebook and social media is that you get to reconnect with some of those people. And And a few years ago, I got to connect with four or five people that I went to elementary school with hadn't seen them in 30 years plus right and it was neat to connect with them but those were some of the kids that were my best friends in elementary school and for whatever reason I think because I was worried about being cool and worrying about what everybody else thinks when I got to junior high school when we moved up I dropped them and I traded those friends in elementary school for some new friends and 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 If these guys happen to be watching this video, they're they're not going to disagree with what I'm saying. But I traded my elementary school friends for new friends named Doug, Race, Marcus, and Rob. And I had great times with those guys, but they were not positive influences on my life. And I went from making straight A's in elementary school to barely passing and often not passing to the point where I was this close to having to repeat the ninth grade not because I was dumb because I wouldn't do my work I I literally people joke like this all the time but I literally spent three of the best years of my life in algebra one like I literally did that it's not a joke because I wouldn't do my work I got in fights I got kicked out of school multiple times over the next three years, three and a half years, I remember a friend of mine uh, challenging me in class one day saying, hey, Ferris, I bet you can't beat up Jerry Don Douglas. And man, Jerry Don, if you're watching, I'm sorry. But I just went over and punched him in the face and actually cracked his jaw. Like, and I would have never done something like that in elementary school. I I never would have acted like that. I remember stealing alcohol from my friend's friend's parents' liquor cabinets so that we could get drunk. I I remember my first experience with local law enforcement when we thought it would be funny to stuff 35 Roman candles and about 200 firecrackers into this lady's mailbox and light them. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, she had been watching us the whole time, and the cops were waiting right around the corner as we ran away. In examining the evidence, don't miss this, the only thing that changed in my life between sixth grade and seventh grade was the people I spent time with. I lived in the same house, same family, same family structure, same hobbies, everything stayed the same except for the people I spent time with. Now watch this, crazy at 15 years old, I handed over the keys of my life to Jesus Christ. And we can't minimize that, right? Because this is not a lecture about change your friends, you'll be an awesome person. Who needs Jesus? That's not what we're teaching here today, okay? At 15 years old, I handed over the keys of my life to Jesus Christ. He saved me, he set me free from the prison I was stuck in. A prison of anger and emptiness and loneliness and all the things that I've just said. But after I became a believer, okay... I had these friends, Race and Doug and Rob and all those guys. I had had these friends for the last four years, formative years of my life. We shared lots of life memories. They, at the core, they were probably really good guys. But I remember going uh, to these guys and having a conversation that went something like this. I love you guys. But I have different desires and goals in my life now. And if I keep hanging out with you guys, those aren't going to happen. I want you to know, and I'm 15, I, don't, I have no wisdom in me, I just, this, I feel like this was God telling me to do this. If you guys ever need anything, I'm here for you. But when I hang out with you guys, I do bad stuff, and I just can't do that anymore. And as you might imagine, they weren't happy. They called me judgmental, they said, you're too good for us, you're, and and. I feel like I proved it to them over the next several years that if they needed me I was there but I just had to change the people that I allowed to influence my life. So I did. I traded race and Marcus and Rob and Doug for Jeff and Danny and Bob and Lance and Michael. When I changed those friends along with throwing up my hands and surrendering my life to Jesus Christ, those two together changed me. I became a captain and leader of my high school football and track teams. I became a leader in my youth group and in my church. I started to have thoughts about being a pastor. I started figuring out ways to help people around me when I was in high school. We would organize local mission trips without our youth pastor, without our pastors. We would just find things to do in our town where we could help people. I'm not bragging. I'm making a point here. I started to go on other mission trips where I served others. I became the first person in my family to go to and graduate from college. i married way out of my league. i married into an amazing family who loves God with all of their heart. I became a pastor and have spent the last 26 years of my life not being perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but trying to help people find the same life-changing love that I have found through Jesus Christ. I have also made it through some of the worst mistakes and darkest moments of my life with those guys, Jeff and Danny and Lance, Michael and those guys, and these people are the ones that helped me walk through only thing that changed was the people that I spent time with. That's the power of relationships. And so the, the, the first big idea here, and then we're going to read Galatians 5 and 6 and we'll, we'll be gone. The first big idea here is that if what you need in your life are people that will encourage you and build you up and push you toward Jesus... One of the ways you can change in your relationships is to do that inventory in your own life. Who am I allowing to influence me? Just ask yourself that question. And then, and then act according to that. I'm not here to make you do that. I'm not even here to guilt trip you into doing that. That has to come between you and Jesus Christ. And, and I might go back and say this. If you haven't come to the place in your life where you trust Jesus with all your heart and you hand over the keys of your life to him you probably should do that first before just trying to change friends, right? So Galatians chapter five, this is where we started this whole series. Paul, the apostle is talking to the, this church in a town called Galatia. They're in the title Galatians. And he says this in verse one of uh, Galatians chapter five, he says, Christ has set us free. That's you. Us is you and me. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to yoke of slavery. Steve's paraphrase, you're free. Stay free. Don't don't run back into the prison cell. Remember that from a few weeks ago? your, Your sentence is not life. You have been set free. What you've been settling for in your life, it doesn't have to stay that way, especially if you're in a dark, difficult place. You don't have to stay there. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his love for you, he has opened the cell door and you can make the choice to walk out and start a brand new life. Then, just a chapter later, just really several verses later, Paul says this in Galatians 6 verse 1. And isn't it ironic that when he's talking about, hey, Jesus has set you free, so stay free, isn't it crazy that immediately he turns to relationships? And this is what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, if any another if, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And and can I stop and just say this? Gently and humbly means, and we do not teach this here, you are not the sin police. It's not your job to to judge people and poke them in the chest and say you're doing this wrong. Your job is to lovingly, gently pull them back into the fold and say, hey, I just, I just want a better life for you. That's what he's saying here. And he goes on and says this. While you're doing that, while you're helping these other people, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And I love this part, verse 2. This is the heart of life groups. This is why we pound that drum over and over again. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. It's not my idea. I didn't make it. God made it up. You need other people and they need you. Verse three, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love how this version says that. Because whether we would confess it or not, we act like we're that important sometimes. And and so let me say this. This is where we kind of turn the corner and talk about how are you treating other people like we, we just spent a, a, a great deal of time just now on hey you need other people make sure you're being picky and choosy about the people that you need, allow to influence in your lives what about changing the way you treat others and Paul says it right here if you think you're too important to help someone else you you are sadly mistaken it's what you're here for and, and you know what's crazy about this passage and this idea and principle that the Apostle Paul is teaching us? This idea of don't be self-centered, be others-minded, um, be looking out for other people who are struggling that you can help? Here's the crazy part. It includes the difficult people. It includes the people that are judgmental toward you. It includes the people that suck the life out of you. Whether that's a neighbor or a coworker or a family member and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just dread being around them because it just sucks me dry every time. They need your help. And here's what I've discovered in my own life, humbly speaking. When I allow myself to become others-focused and I intentionally focus on being present with them and helping them and serving them, Every time, every single time, I'm not saying that it's fun doing it, but every single time when I focus my life on someone else, it feels right. It feels like that's the way it should be. And I get happier. Like my joy increases, and here's my theory. It's because I've taken my focus off of me. And when we leave our focus on us and what we want out of this world and and all of these uh, grand ideas and hopes and dreams that we have for ourselves, when we take the focus off of that, because the reason we get disappointed and frustrated and cranky is we have these ideas of how our lives should be, and when it doesn't come true or turn out like we want it to, that's when we get frustrated or disappointed. When we take our focus off of that and put it on making other people's lives better... It just seems like the joy goes up. And so here's a challenge. And, and, and what I'm not saying this morning is, hey, wait till you're really good and holy and then go love on other people. Broken people are best at helping broken people. And so my challenge for you this week, even today, if you're going to a Super Bowl party tonight or you go to work tomorrow, here's my challenge. Find somebody And be intentional about making their life better in that moment. Could be something small. Could just be time. Could just be listening. Be intentional. And then, here's here's my promise. See if you're not the one who ends up getting the blessing. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how that works, but I believe God designed that way. Be a grace giver. Lower your expectations of other people. That's what you, you want to change things then lower your expectations. You know why I think that Jesus didn't beat the disciples silly because they were constantly doing s- stupid stuff, right? Like they are so lucky Steve Ferris wasn't Jesus in that moment because I would have like voted all of them out or you know beat them with a stick or something like you're an idiot. I would have said stuff like that. You know why I think Jesus never lost his cool with his disciples? He had really low expectations for them. And it, and it sounds silly, but that's why he can love you and me so much, is because he knows what you are. He knows you're broken. He knows you have issues, and he knows you act like an imperfect, broken human, because that's what you are. And if we could just recalibrate our lives to th- to viewing other people like that and going. They act like that because they're broken just like me. We'll go a long way in helping other people. We we were going to show another life group video today, and I've I've taken too much time, so we'll we'll show that next week. I know Brandon showed one last week, and I hope, and, and you'll definitely see from this video that we'll share probably next week, life groups are making a difference for people here at the bridge and listen it's not that bridge fellowship life groups are special i'm not trying to say that i'm just stating a fact life groups are making a difference for people it's helping them it's it's encouraging them it's changing them and so here's what i want to leave you with today number one surround yourself with people who push you toward jesus Whatever that looks like. Find people who will hold you up in your weakest moments and point you to the light on your darkest days. And then this one isn't on the screen, but please don't miss this as we leave today. Be a grace giver. Connect to the grace giver, Jesus, so often that when you're around other people, you're dialed in on what they need and how you can help them and not you don't have to go through life going do they like me are they treating me right wrong questions the right question is how can i help them how can i make their life better how can i encourage them today we all we all need this you know we do be a grace giver serve people help people encourage people practice giving more than you take practice being gentle and humble instead of judgmental the bottom line is this this is really good news me and you we can change we can't change just on our own because we heard a cute little message on sunday mornings we walk out of here and go well i'm going to be different now you're gonna have to connect to the power source jesus christ he's what gives you the the ability to change but you can change you can change your relationships you can change the way you treat other people you can change how you're being encouraged by choosing carefully the people that you allow into your life and the people that you surround yourself with you you can change let's pray God, as we close today, I am so grateful for guys like Jeff and Danny and Bob, Lance, and Michael, and Woody, and Skin and Monty and Barrett and Ben and gosh, Lord, the the list goes on and on. And so many of the people sitting in this room are now added to that list of people who have made me better and encouraged me in really dark moments thank you god that you designed this journey called life to do in groups whether that group is called a family a literal family or it's called a life group or whatever it is god you never planned for us to do it alone So thank you for those people who have made a difference in my life. And I pray that if there's somebody in this room today that's struggling and they just need somebody, God, would you do two things? Number one, would you give them the courage to put themselves out there, join a group, meet someone new, invite someone over just to say, I need somebody to walk this life with. God on the other end of that would you do something in our hearts this week this day right now that makes us more others minded would you change the way not only that we treat people would you change the way we see people and God would you give us the strength that comes from only you to love them and encourage them and serve them and forgive them over and over again sometimes. God, we can't do this on our own. We need you and we need others. And others need us. So change us, God. It's in your name we pray.